The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome to Data Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be brave, and be fearless, let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Today's guest is Steve Koenig. Steve is the Vice President of Research at Consumer Technology Association. And Steve and I have had the good fortune of working together many, many years ago. Welcome, Steve, to the show. Thanks for taking the time. Time to welcome this week's data guru. Well, thank you, Seema. It's great to be talking with you again. So, Steve, can you give our listeners a little bit of background on what the Consumer Technology Association is and its mission? Sure. We're the U.S. Trade Association for all consumer tech. So I like to say consumer tech is everything from an iPhone to a Mercedes-Benz today. And our membership constituency really reflects that. And in fact, we have members that are factors, of course, software developers, retailers, really anybody who's making or selling consumer technology in the U.S. market. But we do obviously a lot of lobbying based here in Washington, D.C. to foster innovation-led economy. But we're best known for our trade show, CES, held each January in Las Vegas. And what some people may not know is that we also have a CES Asia show now that's held in June in Shanghai, China. Oh, interesting. I know the CES show is a huge hit. It draws thousands and thousands of people to hear the latest and see the greatest technology that's coming into the market. That's right. Yeah. So this past January, uh, we had over 180,000 trade professionals from over 150 countries. Uh, That's why we call CES in Las Vegas the global stage for innovation. And it literally and figuratively is the world's largest tech event. Very cool. So let's jump to it. We continue to see the smartphone gaining dominance in our day-to-day lives. And also now we're starting to see these other smart devices in the home, personal fitness trackers. What's your prediction in terms of, based on your research, where are we going with all these devices? Is it just going to continue to grow or are we going to see some sort of plateau in terms of the types and number of devices that we all own and use on a regular basis? Well, I think it's safe to say, you know, here in 2018, that the technology is a mainstay of our society, you know, whether it's for work, you know, business, or our personal use. And that dynamic is it's only going to just intensify. And you're right. You pointed to the smartphone. That remains the center of the consumer tech universe, if you like, and really is the, the anchor for a lot of endeavors, just from checking email, as example, and playing games, doing a all kinds of different things through various apps. And by the way, making the occasional phone call. (laughs) But what we're seeing broadly in consumer tech today, a, a lot of listeners have probably heard the term Internet of Things. And that really refers to this robust connectivity that we've seen. And and I think it's very interesting that we're really not that far into the 21st century. And the internet really has, as you know, has not been with us for for that that long. But already, as a culture and a society here in the United States and and pretty much uh, everywhere else in the world, we already take that connectivity in the internet for granted. I think a lot of us, and we just assume it's going to be there. So 
what we're seeing in the consumer tech industry and, and, and just considering the whole ecosystem of devices, connectivity is there now. Now we're starting to see a lot of devices and you see this in the marketing of those devices, the, the smart and more intelligent devices. So I think we're seeing the emergence of a new IoT which I describe as the intelligence of things. And this is where we start to layer in with, with artificial intelligence and so forth. Connectivity, pretty much table stakes today in the industry. And what's starting to happen very quickly now, and we saw this in very sharp relief at CES, is support for digital assistants like Google Assistant and Amazon's Alexa. That's become table stakes in the industry. And, and that's also starting to change the human-machine interface from what we're accustomed today with our smartphones, pinching, swiping, tapping, so forth, and working with different apps. Well, very quickly, I think we're going to see everything tick over more of a voice interface. And the whole idea, like if we wanted to research a product, you know, we would crack open our laptop and go online and click around and find out the information. Well, I think very quickly, the new way of, of getting that information is we simply ask one of these digital assistants mm -hmm. what it is we want and, and request they push that to our mobile device or our Gmail account, whatever the case may be. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. I even see more and more of a reliance on those assistants in terms of getting information and, and facts and figures. It's quite convenient. Sometimes I feel guilty about it that I use it so much, but it is quite convenient. What's your perspective on artificial intelligence in the future? I think what we can expect from AI is in general, and this is really CTA's position is that we can expect more human-machine partnerships. And that one way to think about that is in, in the hemispheres of B2B and then B2C. So in the, the B2B commercial enterprise space, what more human-machine partnerships looks like is machine learning. Uh, and, you, and you just mentioned that you know, we'll have, we have all this connectivity and device adoption, and that's going to continue to grow. And these days, it just as consumers and, and business alike wrestle with just more and more data and more and more email, if you think about like from consumers and, and then businesses are harvesting just mountains of customer data. Thank goodness we have AI and things like machine learning in the B2B commercial space that, that can help us make sense of a lot of this data, often in real time. So that's one example in that hemisphere of B2B of, of a human-machine partnership. And uh, secondly, in that arena, I think what that looks like, and this is where we start to bridge to the B2C spaces, is AI are going to start to take on different tasks for us, uh, okay. job tasks. And I want to emphasize that word task, not job. One of the things that you'll hear out there is you start to look into to artificial intelligence and certainly in the commercial enterprise space is that autom you know, greater automation is going to lead to job cuts, job loss, and so forth. And, and we, we really couldn't disagree more strongly. Uh, there are certain cases, like in the, in the case of a self-driving vehicle, or, or more importantly, the self-driving truck, where AIs may replace a human driver, like a long-haul trucker. But actually, right now in the United States, we have a shortage of long-haul truckers. Uh, there are not many people that are chomping the bit to hop in that driver's seat and drive 25 hours across the country as a way to earn a living. So this is where technology can come in and uh, take care of those kinds of tasks. So in the business space, again, it's going to be automating more of these tasks that's going to free us as humans mm -hmm. to do other things. And maybe that's thinking more strategically about our business. So very, very helpful. And in the consumer space, again, it's more about 
automation and these human machine partnerships helping us just cope with the just the crushing amount of, of data and other digital bits that are just so omnipresent in our lives. And we're going to turn to them more and more to help us with things, whether it's shopping, whether it's looking up information, managing our calendar, all these things that we're accustomed to doing ourselves with clicking and logging in and doing this. These assistants are going to be there pretty soon, and this is starting to happen already, as really like that proverbial virtual assistant that we can turn to that can help us with all these different things that ordinarily we'd have to do ourselves. You made the emphasis of saying pretty soon. What does that horizon look like from your perspective? In a lot of my trends talks, I talk about the coming data age. And so I think in terms of a timeline, you know, that I've been talking about 2020 as a pretty good marker for, for when I think we'll, we'll see a confluence of factors that'll really codify what I've been describing. And that is you know, rising consumer adoption of smart speakers and other assistant-enabled devices. And that's everything from a smartphone to a home appliance. And then also for the assistants themselves, the AIs themselves, that they will gain more experience. Remember, remember data is, is tantamount to experience for for an AI. So over time, they get better. The results of their searches and so forth, that becomes better. And then also, and perhaps most importantly, they start to learn about us more. And that's where it starts to get, for a lot of people, I think, cool. Mm -hmm. uh, others may say creepy, but learning our behavioral patterns as humans, these AI assistants will, will start to do that. And then they'll be able to initiate conversations with us and help us. And this is, people say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You know, this, <laughs> that, that just sounds too, too far out there, man. Actually, that dynamic already exists when you think about push notifications on your phone. You know, we opt in, we opt out. Well, similarly, we may say, you know, Alexa, you know, I want you to tell me if you can find that set of headphones that I really want for when it gets down below $149 or, or whatever it is. So things like that. And that's really helpful. They're yeah. always out there. They're always watching. Maybe, you know, we go to bed for the night and, but snow has been predicted. We've got a 9 a.m. meeting. And so we at, we, you know, Alexa knows that if that's the case, that she better wake us up early because we're going to have to shovel the driveway. Just things like that, that it's these little bits of automation that are going to make our lives as humans a lot better. And then also being able to tee up and recommend if we have uh, dietary requirements or maybe, if, you know, like a lot of people just want to lose, lose a few LBs, you right. know, <laughs> suggesting foods that are, that are healthier for us or something like that based on our, our food patterns are, are just telling us that like we're starting to see now with some of these fitness coaches, those are AI fitness coaches that say, you know, hey, you, you may want to you know, walk a little bit more or get up off the couch. So we're already starting to see that dynamic manifest today. So I think in the next two to three years, it'll become much more visible and much more common, frankly. What do you think? Do you think it's going to make us smarter because now we'll have more time since some of the mundane tasks or, you know, repetitive things will be taken care of? Or, you know, I fear that we'll become lazy and not as mentally sharp. I think certainly a lot of people have those concerns at the start when they can thinking and certainly as they start to study this environment and all the innovation that we're seeing. But I would just say to ameliorate those concerns, just, just look back at the past 20 years in this digital age and think about the, all the 
the steps and, and innovation that we've seen and what, what's happened. And, and I think the, the consensus would be that, yeah, a lot of this innovation and, and things that have happened have definitely made our lives better. And, and I can't imagine doing things like I did. I like to point out, like, remember when we used to watch VHS mm-hmm. movies and, you know, so you had to get up, put the tape in. And then when you're done watching the movie, what'd you have to do? You had to rewind it. And so taking all these steps and I'll say, and that was all fine back in the late eighties or, or in the early nineties. Now what do we do? We basically one touch a button on the TV and we're in Netflix and we just stream a movie and we've, we've got all this stuff. So that's one way where a lot of this connectivity and innovation, we used to have to hunt up and find things you know, manually. Now we, we just automatically take the stuff for granted. I think now, like, like Google. Just being able to hop on and look up some information really quickly. We used to celebrate whenever we would get a new computer that had a lot more memory and more space, and then how quickly we filled up that space, and then we were back to square one. We've, we've got to have more storage and right. more memory. So we constantly are moving forward, and this is just the latest step. Now, it's important, I think, because of the, some of the reasons I mentioned with this uh, greater automation, but we've gotten tastes of that through the transition from analog to digital and all those advances that we've witnessed as consumers. And then also just as the, the human machine interface has continued to evolve and, and we're about to take an important step because as I mentioned, moving to voice, you know, it doesn't get any more natural mm-hmm. than just, just talking to a device and telling it you know, what you want. But yeah, so just like that, it was very prescient. And I think that's pretty quickly uh, where what we'll be doing. Mm-hmm. And and more, I think that the technology will continue to evolve and, and those conversations will become more natural. Right now, it's a little bit mechanical, but that's going to grow and evolve and, and become more natural. And then again, as I said, I think before too much longer, those assistants are going to start uh, initiating conversations with us. And that's another important shift. And on the B2B side, you talked a little bit about artificial intelligence, not necessarily taking jobs, but more so doing tasks that, you know, potentially they're not resources to really do those tasks or their repetitive nature could alleviate some of the mundaneness of work. Are you seeing that in certain sectors where you're seeing, you know, you talked about driving, other areas where you're seeing automation or artificial intelligence playing a more prominent role? Well, I mean, supply chain, inventory management, Customer data, driving deeper insights, advertising is another sector that's really quite keen on using machine learning and adjusting campaign parameters in real time as different engagement metrics are fed in from, say, social media channels or or something like this, or streaming video, uh, promotional materials, things like this. So, you know, there are a lot of sectors, and that's what I think a little bit ironic when we're talking about AIs that this is a, a huge topic today, but Really, AIs have been at work in the, the commercial enterprise space for, for quite a while. And, and again, this is all under the banner of machine learning. And they were applied, remember back when big data was the, yes. the buzzword of the day? So, well, yeah, I mean, humans didn't mm-hmm. chip away at all that big data. I mean, yes, we have data scientists that can, can crunch all that. But when we think about global supply chains and uh, the competitiveness of, of a variety of industry, whether it's luxury goods or, or consumer tech, automotive, and just how many parts, thinking about automotive and 
different sourcing and so forth. This takes, you know, team, globally distributed teams of humans to, to manage on a 24-hour, 24-7-365 basis. Well, AIs managing different parts of that can be super helpful and really imp- greatly improve efficiencies. Another sector is medicine. You know, frankly, uh, that's probably the, the most important. And, and I would predict that just monumental breakthroughs that we will see in our lifetime such as a cure for cancer, probably will be the product of a human-machine partnership. Because, as I said, these, the data is like an experience to an AI. So these AIs can take in years, if not decades, worth of medical research and kick out interesting observations and, and findings to, to human scientists that then they can go, hmm, well, that was really interesting. I'm going to work on that for the next month and kick off a few experiments and see if I, if I get anything here that's really interesting. Th- that kind of you know, different task automation and, and working alongside, you know, that, that can be game-changing in areas like medicine to drive more vaccines, cures for so many things that just affect us as humans. That's a great application. It just speeds up the process in terms of research and finding cures, which, which really is exciting. I would totally agree with you on that. So Steve, are you seeing other countries adopting technology or AI specifically faster than other countries? Or, is it, or are we all kind of moving at the same rate and pace? Well, there definitely is a global race to, to lead on the uh, AI development front, and a number of, of countries are, are in this horse race. Obviously, the United States, Russia, China is, is really, really making some significant moves, and they're, they're throwing a lot of money around to attract scientists and, and other developers to come to China and proceed with their work and develop their technology. So, so yes, uh, there's, there's a lot of work going on around the world. I think today still the U.S. is out in front. And that's frankly, again, one of the, the things that, that we're quite keen on here at CTA is making sure it stays that way. And, and how we do that is really through our policy advocacy here in Washington, D.C. to to make sure that that America has that innovation-led economy and companies like Google and and Amazon and Microsoft and and so many more are allowed to to bring forward those innovations to market and apply them in various ways that that will benefit our economy. Because it is true, there's a lot of competition there and there's a lot of different applications for AI, but one ostensible advantage that, that China has is that, of course, they are a command economy, and if they want something to happen, it's going to happen. So in some sectors, China is seen to uh, have a competitive advantage because of that command economy in areas like self-driving vehicles. It could be through greater automation using AIs in, in various capacities. It can mean a lot of things related to, to tech. So, and, and we're starting to see this, this kind of friction with China in a lot of the, the headlines now with the current you know, Trump administration and around trade and tariffs and so forth. And obviously, we're not, we don't think that tariffs are the, are the right answer and we prefer more free and open markets. But you're, you're getting a taste for how you know, China dictates terms and, and they do things their way. So that could play to their advantage in the case of AI and a lot of other things related to tech. Very interesting. Steve, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I'm sure you shed a lot of light on consumer tech and artificial intelligence. Much appreciated. And there's lots to think about for the future. 
Well, thank you for having me on. And if listeners want to learn more about CTA, they can go to www.cta.tech and learn more about our organization or CES. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Data Gurus Podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.datagurusepodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.datagurusepodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.